Opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect the views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. We're going to go ahead and start, and people probably will come in. And the first part we're going to do is a review anyway. So um, if you're here for it, good. If you're not here for it, it's in the notes. I wanted to review the prefixes we've been doing, uh, the Latin prefixes, because next week we're going to start Greek prefixes. But before we do that, I want to give you a few Latin phrases that came up. And I don't know now how they came up. Uh, I think, um, I don't know who it was. Somebody from this class mentioned one of them. And the other one, I don't know. It came up in conversation anyway. But the first phrase I wanted to talk about was in we know veritas. In we know veritas. That means in wine, there is truth. What does that mean? In wine, there is truth. How, what would you think that phrase would mean? Uh, when people drink too much, they don't lie so much, maybe. That's right. They, they say what's really on their mind. So if you get drinking, you might tell somebody how you really feel about them. Instead of pretending you really like them or whatever, you're, you're more apt to tell the truth. Now, of course, the opposite of that is if you get too drunk, you don't know what you're saying, and you might say something totally stupid. But basically, the idea is if you, if you drink, it brings out the truth. You, you say what is the truth. Um, uh, the other phrase that I wanted to talk about was rah-rah-awis. That's the one. I forgot who brought that one up. Somebody. I wish I could remember because I was talking to somebody about that phrase. I think it was Carla. It was Carla. I bet it was Carla. Yeah. Ra-ra-awis means a rare bird. And it's used to mean something that is almost impossible to find. Now, unfortunately, the man who coined that phrase was the satirist, a Roman author whose name is Juvenal. And Juvenal did not at all like much of anything. But one of the things he really didn't like was women. He wrote like a 600-line satire against women. Uh, and one of the things he says about women is, an honest woman is harder to find than a black swan, a rah-rah always, a rare bird. And that's, uh, a, if you know anything about swans, I'm not even sure there is such a thing as a black swan. They're mostly white, aren't they? I think they are. So uh, that phrase, rah-rah-ah, uh, was just means something that's really hard to find. Really hard to find. Okay. How do you um, spell that? What's that? How do you spell it? Yes. R-A-R-A, rah-rah, meaning rare, space, A-V-I-S. Rah-rah. Okay. Now, a review of these prefixes. Black swans. Are, are real but are now extinct oh and now you wouldn't find one i'm glad honest women are not extinct um anyway um these prefixes uh well let's just see if you if you can remember what they mean what does the word dis mean and well, you can just call out the answer and if you call out an answer then don't call out the next one unless no one else knows it uh, to give everybody a chance to 
see what they know. Dis. What's the prefix dis mean? Divide. Okay. Okay. I would. I would. I would say divide apart. Uh, like, uh, for example, dis. Dyslexic. If you're dyslexic, oh, D-Y-S. You're That's reading. D-Y-S. Maybe, yes. maybe it is. Uh, uh, yes, I think you're right, Sierra. I apologize. Dis, well, what would I say? Uh, dysfunctional. Not functional. Apart from being functional. Or dis- Dislocate. Or, you're, you're right. Or disinformation. Disinformation. Yes. Yes, that's right. Thank you. Uh, well, wait, wait a minute. Are you, there's a DYS and a DIS, though. So which, how do you? Well, what does DYS, what, that, that that's what I would, for dysfunction. That's that for dyslexia. Dyslexia, yeah. I would think that, what did you say now? The DYS is what? Dysfunction and dyslexia. Um, Are they uh, Greek? Is that Greek? The dis, I would think. Yeah, I guess that's the same thing, actually. Is that Greek or is that It's Latin? Greek, though. Yes, yeah, it's, it's Greek. Hmm. When you have the D-Y-S, that comes from Greek. That's that's what it is. So maybe when we get to the Greek prefixes, we'll so talk the more D- about that. Yeah, we could still talk about the D-I-S because it, it it's mostly D-I-S that you see. Yeah, it is mostly yeah. D-I-S Like disproportionate and stuff like that's that. That's it. Yes, that's correct. That's correct. So, uh, all right. What about... What about extra? Now, I don't mean like an extra dessert now. In addition, what does extra mean? Uh, outer? Or yeah, I'm okay, outside. outside. So like extra legal. If you do something that's extra legal, it's not legal. It's outside of the law. If you, do, if you have something extraordinary means more than, more than ordinary. Oh. Uh, Okay, we have two prefixes in. We have two ins. That wasn't a mistake. I put it there twice. Tell me about these these two ins. Tell me about these two ins. Well, one of them does mean in. One of them means in. Okay, yeah, like, for example, immigrate. And sometimes that in changes to im by the way, and sometimes it doesn't, but things like immigrate, inhabit, uh, it can even be I-L-L, uh, it could. Uh, enchant, uh, that's E-N in that one, but it's still the same prefix, believe it or not. Um, okay, um, what about the other end? You told me and I forgot. Is that also you, not? Like not. Intolerable not. or intolerable. You know, insufficient? Or That's it. And that also can change to can from in to ill if the next word begins with an L. So like illegal. Illegitimate. Or illegitimate or immoral. It can change to I am. Yeah. Or even I are like ir- irregular. Oh, yeah. So it can change depending on what the, what the main root is. All right, now we have inter and intra. What about those two? One of them is between. Yes, which one? Inter. Yes, inter is between. Inter, yeah. Like, for example. Intra is 
in the same state, like in the same thing. Well, you're right, Beth, within, within. So like intramural is sports being played inside the same school, whereas intermural would mean among schools or between schools. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Intercollegiate commerce. Yes, interstate commerce between states. Whereas if you had intrastate commerce, if there were such a thing, that would be just within the state that you're in. Within the state. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then there's a very similar one intro. What's intro? Yes. Within. And that's the one that goes mostly with verbs, like things like introduce. Um, uh, I was trying to think of any other word. Uh, introduce is the one I can think of right offhand. Uh, introspective. And in, well, that's more intra. I think in, isn't that intra? No, it's intro. It's an O. Okay, it's introspective. Then it is. Then you're right. It's a verb. Spectrum or is introspect a is a verb, I guess. Yeah, because the verb—that's yeah. a—that's an adjective. Yeah, it's an adjective, but it's from spec. It's not based on a noun. Like intramural is based on a noun, wall, whereas introspect is based on a verb. So that's why you use intro. Spec. But you All said right, they both a, mean within. Yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, within or even yeah, within. They both mean pretty much the same thing, actually. Now, introvert is spelled the same way. <laughs> That's so, because it's based on a verb. Vert means to turn. So, but, so if yeah. the Latin root is a verb, then use intro. If the Latin root is a noun, you seem to use intra. Well, we usually use it as a noun. So, But yes, we do. But it's based on a verbal root. So okay. like an introvert is someone who's turned inward or in, you know, now what about B, B, I? Two, means two. Yes, yes, twice or two, okay. What about circum or circum? Around. Around, good. And what about con? Against. What's he saying? Oh, yeah, now? Against. Against. Yes. Uh, no. No. With. Is that with or with. Together. together. Right. Like convoke. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Or right. and it can be coal or it can be comb. It's it's based on cum in Latin. It's cum and it's a, as a preposition. Oh, the next with. one's against. Now contra is the one that's against. Against. Yeah. Contra. Okay. Yeah, like contradict <laughs> or something like that. Uh, what about auntie? What? I'm sorry. What'd you say? Ante. E A N T E. Before. 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 Yes. Before. Before something. Okay. Like yes. anti meridium. Like an anti meridium, like anti room. Yeah. What's the difference between ob and odd? To and from. Right. Which one is from? Ob. Yes, A, B is from, A, D is to. That's right. Uh, let's see. I won't, do all, I won't do all these today, but I'll do a few more. What about uh, multi? 
many. Many, right? Like multi, multilinguals when it comes to mind, multifaceted. Uh, all right. What about this? Oh, we did that, didn't we? We did this. Never mind. Uh, what about? Uh, we'll do one more. We'll do one more. What about ultra? Extreme. Yeah, well, extremely. Like ultra fashionable. Ultra whatever. I can't think of any other word, but there's a lot of words. Ultra. Ultra, yeah. That means extremely something. Okay, now uh, we'll review uh, them as we each week a little bit, but I want to start a little bit to talk about Greek. I want to take a minute or two today and talk about Greek. And the reason I want to do that is that one of the best kept secrets in education today, and I guarantee you, if you asked, you know, professors of education, if you ask top people in their field, they might not tell you this or they might not realize it. One of the best kept secrets in education today is how much help a study of Greek would be to education, uh, especially for science. Now, we always hear how Latin is helpful for science, and Latin is helpful for science to an extent, especially biology, because the animal names all come from Latin. And, you know, you, you, you've heard all this stuff, like Canis familiaris is the name of your dog, and, uh, you know, uh, uh, Homo sapiens, that's the technical term for man. All those terms come right from Latin. But the really tough scientific terms oftentimes come from Greek. For example, things like hypothermia. Does anyone happen to know what hypothermia is? Um, to not enough heat. Uh, not enough cold. heat. Like if thermia, you're outside and you thermia, get really... it means heat. Hypo means lack of, underheated. Okay, and right. so yeah, there you a go. hyperdermic needle. What does that mean? Yes, on top of the skin. Right. So all these, a lot of the scientific terms that people use every day come from Greek. And there was an article in my Greek book, which was written back in 1928. So take it with a grain <laughs> of salt in a way. But this guy wrote in it that he was a man who was a professor in medical school. And he said when he was teaching his students, he could look around and right away he knew the people that knew Greek and the people that didn't. Because the people that knew Greek, when he gave a hard medical term, right away they understood it. Whereas the people that didn't know Greek got this puzzled look on their face. And so he says he could tell right away who knew Greek and who didn't. Now, so studying Greek could be a tremendous help to science or to just learning tough words, even, even tougher words than Latin. Um, and of course, other reasons to take Greek would be if you're interested in the Bible at all or in religion, uh, the Bible, the New Testament was written in Greek, and you can read it if you if you took Greek. Now, biblical Greek is easier 
than classical Greek. So if you learn biblical Greek, you might not be able to read classical Greek, but if you read, if you learn classical Greek, you can read both kinds. Classical Greek is like Homer and Plato and all those guys wrote it. But do you realize that at one time, when this, when the beginning of the 20th century, Greek was required in every college as a study that you had to take when you went to college, not just in this country, but in Canada. If you read uh, a book like Anne of Green Gables, is that what it's called? Yeah, yeah, yeah. and Anne of Avonlea and then Anne of the Island, I think. Yeah. She, if you read all those books, and they're good books, so I've read one of them. When they go to college, what do they take? The big subject they're trying to learn is Greek because they already know Latin. Um, Western Maryland College, right up here where I went to college, at the turn of the century uh, in the 1900s, every student had to take Greek. And supposedly there was a discussion. Some students went to before the college, uh, you know, hierarchies and said, we don't think that Greek ought to be required anymore as a requirement. And the Greek professor said, that is such a ridiculous idea that it's not even worthy of discussion. And I have to laugh because what would he say now? Nobody takes Greek. 50 years ago, Ninette and I took Greek at Western Maryland College. 50 years ago. Exactly 50 years ago, we took Greek one. We started out with 16 people in our class. By the time the second semester came, we had seven. seven of us left. And of those seven, one never came to class. And the next year, when the second year of Greek came, we had five left. And I wasn't still there. Uh, and it wasn't that. Um, and I think the trouble was it was a combination of people that, you know, the way the book was written and the way it, people used to take Greek New Latin when they took Greek. And so it made Greek a lot easier. And a lot of these kids, they weren't ready for a language like Greek because Greek has, like Latin does, Greek has the dative and the accusative and the nominative and all that stuff. And they weren't ready for it. And the professor was an older gentleman who wasn't used to dealing with the kind of students that he had to deal with at that point. Uh, I loved him dearly. He was fantastic to me. He got me in graduate school. He got me an assistantship. But but as far as dealing with modern day students, he wasn't, he didn't really know what to do to help them. And so that's why he lost so many students uh, at that time. But anyway, the point I'm making is Greek is very, very worth studying. And yet it's pretty much disappeared from the curriculum. No, I don't think hardly any high school offers it anymore. And if you went to a university, you could take it. A lot of smaller colleges don't offer it anymore. But Western Maryland no longer offers it. Uh, so, Gary, you were talking about how um, people might not say that it's that important, but honestly, they don't know because uh, I, for the most part, they probably aren't even familiar with it. I mean, what's, what would be the percentage of educated people who know Greek? That's right. They don't know it and they don't know it's um, valuable. And so that they don't, they can't tell you that it's valuable. No, and the people when I, that do, the people that do know it are ones teaching it. And what are they, you know, obviously they think it's valuable. So. Um, the, the, the thing for, from Gary was asking me about this. So when I took it, um, I, I guess I kind of was a mixed 
um, um, motivation because Gary was taking it. And up to that point, we had taken the same languages. We'd taken French and we'd taken Latin and um, we had taken some Russian. And so, you know, it was logical that if Gary was taking Greek, you know, I was going to, you know, try to find um, space for that in my schedule. And um, really, uh, it helped a lot to have Latin. I said, he was asking me which one I thought was hardest. And I said, really, the Greek was harder than the Latin to me. But also, you know how we have to learn multiple symbols in Braille. I mean, you know, the, the symbols that we have have to um, be used um, multitask as, as uh, many different things. Um, uh, depending on what language you're in or even braille music or whatever you might have, uh, those braille symbols have other, uh, uh, other things that they can, other symbols that they can stand for. And so uh, Latin was easier in, in that respect. Um, and it, it seems to me it's not quite as, I don't know whether I could, I probably couldn't come up with examples, but it just seems like Latin is more of a high school, something you can do in high school. Uh, you might wait till college to take Greek, especially now because it's not available. But, um, and the reason I didn't take second year, even though I could easily have done it, um, is I just, I wasn't a classics major. I was an English education major whereas Gary was majoring in Latin, French, and education. And so, you know, now I'm, you know, I, I can't say I regret it exactly, but it would have probably given me a couple more A's, which I really needed. Yeah, she got <laughs> A's in it, I might add. When, when, oh, when, when, 16, I, when all these people were failing it, she had an A in it. So, you know, I'm proud of her. Um, uh of those that did take second year Greek, I was a Latin major. My friend was a philosophy major. Two guys were biblical religion majors, and one was an ancient history major. So all of us were kind of interested in, in some aspect of the ancient world, you might say. But uh, Well, what I wanted to do, though, is to show you the Greek alphabet and maybe teach you a little song to, to remember it. And in your notes, I give you the Greek alphabet. I give you the Braille letter for it. And then I give you the name of it. So, for example, I give you a Braille A, and then right next to it, I say Alpha. That letter is called Alpha, the first letter of the Greek alphabet. If you were reading print, it would look different. And I don't know what the print shapes look like, except for the Delta, which I do know because they always used to show us, you know, shapes of that in our Braille books uh, when they talked about the Delta and all that kind of stuff down New Orleans and all. Anyway, Alpha is the first letter. It's the A. Beta is the second letter. It's a B. Gamma is like the G. Delta is like the D. Epsilon is like the E. Zeta is like the Z. Eta. Now, the Braille sign for Eta is the WH sign. I did not know how to write that 
uh, I did not know how to write the letter Ada in print. So I wrote WH to show you that it's the WH sign. So in, in Braille, your Braille display, if you're reading this in Braille, or even if you're listening to it, it might, it's going to say WH. That just means that to write it, you have to use the WH sign. Um, Gary, do you know if any of those, I know you said you don't know what they look like, but are there any that look like the Latin or are, are they all, do you expect that they're all different? I think they're different. different. They're all different. I think they're all different. So, I mean, it's just a completely different alphabet, non, non-Roman alphabet. Right. Well, I, okay. So I have a little challenge. So I'm going to take a look at, I'm going to get these and take a look at them so I can talk intelligently about what they look like theta is the next one I, and again i had to write t it's in braille it's the th sign so i just wrote th uh i is iota k is kappa l is lambda m is mu n is nu uh the x is the letter psi which is like ksi uh, it's written in Braille uh, XI. That's what I wrote. Omicron means the, the small O. That is, it's a short O. Omicron. Pi. It's like a P. Rho is like an R. And in Greek, that's spelled in, in to, to show you that letter. They write R-H-O. Sigma. Now, Sigma is a funny letter, Ninette, because in Greek, in real Greek, if you write the sigma at the beginning of a word, it looks one way. And if you write the sigma in the middle or the end of the word, it looks another way. But in Braille, it's an S wherever it is. Yeah. Yeah, sigma is a stat- statistical sign, too. If you see uh, statistics, you'll see sigma, which means to sum. Mm-hmm. And I think when a lot of these, in, theta, theta is, a, is a scientific uh, word of some kind. Uh, I don't know exactly what it is, but it's trigon- I guess it's trigonometry, maybe. Wait a minute, I'm confused about psi. Mm-hmm. So there's a, I should be in my, I'm, I think I'm in my right file here. So the, yeah, I am. So it look, but how do you write, how do you actually write it in? X. Okay. X. All right. Okay. okay. I'm looking at it now. Sorry. Tau, tau is the T. U, U is the Upsilon. Then you have F, which is Phi. You have A and D sign. How did I write that? I must have written A and D, which is, which is psi. That's P-S. Uh, I'm sorry, which is chi, C-H-I. Uh, and that one, by the way. Uh, Wait a minute, uh, Gary, there's uh, two things. I see two A and Ds. Am yes, and the, the last one should be a Y. The, the P-S-I should be a Y. Not an A and D sign. I don't know why how that happened. Um, chi, by the way, looks like a cross. It looks exactly like I think like an X or like a cross. Um, psi is P S I, and then Omega is the big O, and it's written like a W. Now you're not going to need to know this. These alpha, these Greek letters. You're not going to need to know them to do the prefixes because they're going to be written in English. But I'm just showing you the Greek alphabet so that you can get an idea of what it is. Now, I want to teach you a little song to learn the Greek alphabet, just so you can say, I learned the Greek alphabet. And you're going to learn it in order. You're going to say four letters at a time. I stole this from the Spanish teachers, by the way. They used to teach their Spanish students the Spanish alphabet using this. So I said, let's let's do it with the Greek alphabet, and it works wonderful. 
Okay, and so we're going to say four letters at a time. We're going to say alpha, beta, gamma, delta, epsilon, zeta, eta, theta, iota, kappa, lambda, mu, nu, psi, omicron, pi, rho, sigma, tau, upsilon, phi, chi, psi, omega. We're going to say so alpha, beta, gamma, delta, epsilon, zeta, eta, theta, iota, kappa, lambda, mu, nu, psi, omicron, pi, rho, sigma, tau, upsilon, phi, chi, psi, omega. And so the way we're going to do it, I'm going to sing a line and you would sing a line if you were really singing this. So you go alpha, beta, gamma, delta, alpha, beta, gamma, delta, epsilon, zeta, eta, theta, epsilon, zeta, eta, theta, iota, kappa, lambda, mu, iota, kappa, lambda, mu, nuke, psi, omicron, pi, nuke, psi, omicron, pi, omicron, pi, rho, sigma, tau, epsilon, Rho, sigma, tau, phi, chi, psi, omega. Phi, psi, chi, omega. There it is. It's over. Phi, chi, psi, omega. Phi, chi, psi, omega. Okay. And then if you're going to join a fraternity, you could say, now I've said my alpha, beta. I can pledge phi, delta, theta. Anyway. Okay. <laughs> that was my fraternity. So uh, let's do it again. Alpha, beta, gamma, beta, delta. Gamma, delta. Alpha, beta, gamma, delta. Epsilon, zeta, eta, theta. Epsilon, zeta, eta, theta. Iota, kappa, lambda, mu. Iota, kappa, lambda, mu. Nuke, psi, omicron, pi. Nuke, psi, omicron, pi. Rho, sigma, tau, epsilon. Rho, sigma, tau, epsilon. Pi, chi, psi, omega. Chi, psi, omega. There we are. Okay. So you got it. You got it. Now, right. now to be truthful with you, this is not how a Greek would pronounce these letters. This is how Americans would pronounce them. Okay. If you were really Greek, you would say alpha, beta, gamma, delta, epsilon, zeta, eta, tata, etc. And if you want later, we can learn. Uh, to say them in Greek, if you want to do that, but but mm -hmm. this is the American pronunciation of it, and I just I just did this to show you what the Greek alphabet is, because a lot of us, I think, being blind, if you were sighted and you went on a college campus, you would see fraternity uh, houses with Greek letters on them. You would see perhaps in your math and science, you would have seen Greek letters. You would have learned them. Being blind, I don't think we have much contact with these Greek letters. And so just to give you an idea of what they are, uh, I wrote them out for you. And we'll work on this song each week a little bit for a while uh, until we get tired of it, until you all know it. And we're going to next week, we're going to start working on Greek prefixes just to give you an idea of how important Greek is uh, to to vocabulary. All right. Well, I'm not going to teach you Greek, uh, believe me, but I am. Then you, you can say it's Greek to me. Right. But we are going to continue with Latin. How many letters are in, in that alphabet all told? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. What is it? About 20. One, two, three, four, five, six. Wait a minute. I got to count them, Tom. I should know. I think it's 20. I should know that. I'm counting 24. I just want to be sure I'm counting correctly. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. 21, 22, 23, 24. 
What did you say, Tom? You said there's a, there, and there's a method to my, there's a reason why I'm asking that question. I'll tell you that offline sometime. <laughs> okay. okay. Well, it makes sense for our song. It does. It does indeed. By the way, that's where you get the expression from the alpha to the omega. Have you ever heard that expression? Yeah. From the, the alpha Bible. to the omega, from the beginning to the end. It's in the Bible. Beginning to the end. From the beginning to the end. You also oh, yeah, might have heard the expression, uh-huh. that doesn't make one iota of difference. Meaning one little yep. tiny bit of difference. Oh, yeah. Uh, Gary, they're not in our alphabetical order, are they? They're a little no. bit confusing. No, they're not at all in our alphabetical order. I mean, order. They're, they're really not. And so it's hard to... Well, they kind of are. Like the they A, are sort B, of, yeah. there is no C. So D, G. Now, why, why didn't they put D, E, G? I don't know. I don't know why. And that's a very good question uh, that I don't know the answer to. How did they come up with this order? And when did this order start? And I don't know the answer to that. Uh, you can ask your studying Greek. You can ask your Greek teacher and let us know. I can't unless I call heaven. <laughs> <laughs> He's long gone, yeah. <laughs> I think. But he could probably tell. Knowing him, he would tell me. He would know the answer to that question. Um, he would. Yeah, uh, but I will check into that. Uh, I will. Maybe I'll call Mrs. Evergates and ask her. Uh, she's She was the teacher that recently taught at Western Maryland College anyway. All right. Uh, let's look at some basic sentences. Working on the date of case today. Working on the date of. And by the way, the, the only the big thing in the notes for this week, aside from the Greek alphabet, is we have a story to read for next week. A long, pretty long story, several paragraphs. It's about a dinner party. And so you're going to read a story in your notes. Uh, at the very end of the notes is a, is a reading called Bona Cana or something like that. And it's um, several paragraphs. It's about a dinner party. And it's our normal family that we always read about, you know, uh, all, all the people, uh, you know, Lucius and Paula and Marcia and all those people. All right. But let's look at these basic sentences using the dative. Gloria in excelsis deo et in terra pax hominibus. Remember that? Let's see if we can say that. Gloria yeah. in excelsis deo et in terra pax hominibus. I should tell you. And don't forget, by the way, if you're singing this song in choir, do not say excelsis. Say excelsis. Um, that's the correct choir pronunciation for it. By the way, what oh. does that mean? Glory to God in the highest. God in the highest. To men. It's on earth, on earth to all men. To men. That's it. Yep. That's it. Oh, yeah. Okay, here's another one. This is a motto. Deo regi patriae. Deo regi patriae. God and country. Yep. To God or for God, for king, country. for country, or to God, to king, to country. By the way, remember this date oh, of case yeah, right. can mean two or four. So either <laughs> translation is better, whichever you think sounds better. Gary, uh, I'm curious about something before you go too much further. This is yeah. Carla, and, and I apologize last week. I had an emergency trip to the vet. Oh, that's all right. How is your dog? He's um, not doing well. We have oh. to make a difficult decision about either an operation or they said. Oh, I'm that, so sorry. Uh, but the question I have is, and I just got these notes now because yeah, I can't. Yes, I know. But Deo, 
Okay. In the in number one, you have Deo written with the accent on the O, and you don't right. have that in number two. And I was just curious about that. Well, that is because your teacher is stupid. Um, I it, well, <laughs> well, not exactly. It, it's because it really doesn't matter. Technically, it's there. But if you were reading a college textbook in Latin, it wouldn't be there. But technically, it is a long O. Does that, so I guess what I'm saying is I probably left it out because I didn't think anybody really cared. I put it in the first one. Just, I don't know why. I mean, yeah, are it, you saying that are there places where it's better to show it? I, that's what I kind of thought maybe. Well, you, were, you know, if you had a high school textbook and even a beginning college textbook, they would show every time there's a long mark, they would show it. I'm not as consistent as that because I, we didn't learn. The, we learned certain ones of them that was necessary, and we didn't learn any rest of them. So I'm not very consistent at putting could you Could you repronounce that Gloria and Excelsis Deo? Because I, I think we yes. inquire. In, now, in classical Latin, okay, Gloria and Excelsis Deo. In, in classical Latin, Gloria and Excelsis Deo. But if you're singing, if you're in choir, you're going to use the Catholic pronunciation, Gloria in excelsis deo. Yes. But a lot of yeah. stupid choir directors, a lot yeah. of choir directors say excelsis, and it's not, it's, it's excelsis. And that drives me crazy. No. Yes, and I tried to explain that to the choir director, and she thought I was wrong. So they I don't know. She, I know. You. You, yeah. Uh, it was so funny. Our choir director came up to me one day and said, how do you say excelsis? That, that word. And I said, it's ex Chelsea. He said, you're right. And I thought, well, I know I'm right. But he said, you're right. They went to, he, he had gone to some meeting where the head choir director of the state of Maryland yelled at them all for saying ex Chelsea and told him it's ex Chelsea. And he just wanted to see if I agreed with that. Well, Gary, well, Gary I'm going to tell you a funny story. When I was majoring in music, we had this choir director that had no sense of humor. And on April Fool's Day, I cajoled the choir into singing. Um, Gloria eats eggshells and bagels. <laughs> oh, was he mad? You know? I said, you can't Is that me. why you stopped being a music major? And, uh, you know, uh, you, I said, you can't tell me that God doesn't have a sense of humor. You were being so irreverent. And, you know, he's just, oh my gosh. You would have thought I was. Well, this is Gloria. Work. And my friends used to say, Gloria in eggshells, she's day old. <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> well, it's not eggshells anyway. I mean, but that's what so many choir directors think it is. But it's excelsis is what it really is. According yeah. to the Catholic. Well, Latin. am I right that, um, of course, um, we were taught the classical pronunciation and our Latin teacher was also our chorus teacher. And I think, how did we pronounce it? Excelsis, maybe, Gary? I think you did. Excelsis. I think Mrs. Young, yeah. well, I mean, when you did Venite of, Adoramus, she always said Venite Adoramus, which yeah, is really wrong. Which, it's really Venite and, uh, Right. But, of course, I love it because that's what I'm used to, and that's what we were learning in Latin. And it was well, and really, she was a classical. She had learned the class. She knew Latin quite well, but I don't think she – most Latin teachers don't really know much about the Catholic pronunciation unless they're Catholic, and in which case they don't know much about the classical pronunciation. Uh, it seems that people either know one or the other. I didn't know right. much about the Catholic pronunciation until I started teaching and made it my business to learn it. 
I didn't learn it in grad school at all. So. I, this okay, is Gary, Gary did the linguistic Latin. We Thank did you, Cindy. Um, Nora was trying to say something, I think. Nora, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. Um, uh, going ex, Excelsior, like T, like going ex, Excelsior. It's like X Chelsea's. X Chelsea. Oh, yeah. Excelsior. That's what it so is. So it's Right, but it's but it's pronounced as if it were written E X C H E L S. I was just trying to make sure she knew that she would have the spelling of it, so I thought that would make it easier. But now again, if you go to your choir, your choir director, if you tell her that, she may not believe you, or he may not believe you. But that's really true. It's really correct. Oh, okay. Okay, um, great. Thank you. May not. Um, all right. Asinus asino su sui care. Asinus asino su sui care. And that means what? A pig. A pig is pretty to a pig. Well, a donkey is pretty to a donkey and a pig okay. to a pig. Yes. Okay. Uh, a donkey is pretty to a donkey and a pig to a pig. All right. Non potestis deo servire et mamonai. Non potestis deo servire et mamonai. Can't serve God and man. And man. And the, the reason I gave you that sentence is to show you that the verb servire is a verb that takes the dative instead of the accusative. We have several. Uh, I gave you a whole list of verbs that take mm. the dative instead of the accusative. Mm. Nemo liber est qui corpore servit. Nemo liber est qui corpore servit. No one who free is free who serves. His body. Oh, no his one body. is free who flesh. is a slave to his body. To the flesh or the body, yeah. Um, and again, serwio is one of those words that takes the dative. Uh, Back to number four, why is the verb not at the end? You know, non potetis. Uh, actually, um, well, I know, be, now remember, that's not the verbs do not have to be at the end. They mostly are, but it's not a rule that they have to be. Uh, and I suppose whoever wrote that was emphasizing, was either emphasizing you can't by putting it earlier in the sentence or was emphasizing <laughs> mammon by putting yeah, it at the end Matthew, of the sentence. Mammon's capitalized. Yeah, because it's, because uh, it's, 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 an, it's like being, it's like saying it's a God, it, God and mammon. It's like a, you know, yeah. it means money, but it means oh. you're making money a God, I guess, is the reason. And I think I copied this out of a book. So I just copied, I just did it the way they did it. This is from the Vulgate? Yes, yeah, from Matthew. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Y'all know what the Vulgate is, by the way? She mentioned the Latin Vulgate. Bible. Right. Written by Jerome. Jerome translated the Bible from Greek and from Hebrew into Latin. And that was a big deal at the time because common people could read it. A lot of common people, a lot of basic people knew Latin. They didn't know Greek. And so that's why it's called the Vulgate. Jerome is the guy that used to really love Cicero, his writings. And he would go to sleep and he would have a dream that God appeared to him and said, Jerome, you're not a Christian. You're a Ciceronian. 
And Jerome would say, no, no, I'm a Christian. No, Jerome, you're a Ciceronian. <laughs> so whether that's true or not, uh, we don't know. But, but Jerome did a good job on translating the Bible. Well, when was, what, what era was, when was Jerome? Middle age, early, like late, almost the end of the Roman Empire, Middle Ages. The Patri- I think he's in what's called the patristic period, which is real late Roman Empire. So what are um, you don't have dates? I don't. I will have it next week. <laughs> I can look him up. Um, but uh, he wrote a couple other things. He wrote this really interesting story about a, some Christians go into a cave to hide. And this guy comes looking for him and he goes in the cave to find him. And he goes too far and a snake gets him. And so the Christians are saved. Hmm. So anyway, Moliere qui maltis nubit maltis non placet. Moliere qui maltis nubit maltis non placet. A woman who what? Who hmm. marries many people doesn't oh. please many people. Yeah, okay. And the verbs placet oh, yeah. and nubit take the dative. By the way, plaquette, we talked about a placebo last week. What is a placebo? That which pleases medicine. Yeah, it really that means I will please. Not really... I will please. That is, wow. I'll give you medicine because you asked me for medicine, but it really doesn't do anything. Uh, hey, Gare. Mm-hmm. Can I go back to Jerome for a minute? Mm-hmm. I tried to check on it, and it, it said I hope I have the right drone. Um, it said his dates aren't really known, but he's kind of believed to have lived between 337 and 420. Okay. So that's late Roman Empire. Like I said, late Roman Empire, almost the end of the Roman Empire. <laughs> yeah. That's interesting. It says his dates aren't really known definitely, but he certainly, uh, I'd say the Vulgate is, is really a, a very worthwhile contribution because it's from that bible that's the bible they used all during the middle ages that's the bible the catholic church still uses uh, because it's the basis of the king james and all that kind of stuff uh, all right one last basic sentence hodie mihi cross tibi hodie mihi cross tibi Today for me, tomorrow for you. Yep. Today for me, tomorrow for you. Where would you find that inscription? On a tombstone. On a tombstone. You're right. All right. And and I went over the date of endings. Remember, first declension, it's A-E, just like the plural, but it's the singular. A-E and I-S. The I-S is like the ablative plural. The dative and ablative plural are always the same. And so if you know the ablative plural, you know the dative plural. If you know the dative plural, you know the ablative plural. They're always the same. So in the, in the first declension, A-E-I-S. Second declension, O-I-S. O for singular, I-S for plural. Third declension, I and Ibis. Fourth declension, U-I and Ibis. And fifth declension, E-I and Ibis. Okay. So let's look at some of these exercises. Change these to the dative. How would you change eratus to the dative? Grotto. Yep. Yep. Good job. How would you change umbra 
Oh, what wait, is that word? I, I don't recognize that word. Erratus. Ex gratum erratus legem known with that. It means person. So it either means angry or an angry person. Um, let's do number two first. Medicus. Um, medico. Yep, medico. Lex or lakes. Should pronounce it. Mm. Now, for it, this one, you got to know that. Is it leggy? Right. Yes, leggy, because the accusative is leg M, and just uh-huh. drop the M and you get leggy. So you got to know the accusative because remember, third declension changes the sometimes the sometimes the uh, uh, base changes. So leg M or leg M and then leg E. All right. Uh, what about con- Conus? Conus. No. Okay. Good try. Connie. Because why? It's third declension. It's Conus, Conem. So it's Connie. I yeah. wanted to say Cano too. And then I'm thinking, well, Cano's a verb, right? There is a verb cano. And I think that's what made it it's that's what made it sound like it should be right. Yeah. <laughs> Lupus. A wolf. Yeah. Uh, now if you know if you know Eratus and if you know Medicus, then Lupus is going to be done the, the lupo, same way. Lupo. Lupo. Yeah. Lupo. Oh, I skipped. Did I skip one? No. Umbra. He's a red, Umbra. not in straight, you know, it goes from one to six. And- yeah, I just made columns out of it. Umbra. That's number six. Umbri. U-M-B-R what, Ninette? I? No. A-E. A-E. Umbra. Umbra. It's the same, it's the same as the nominative plural, first clinch. All right. What about serpains? Serpine? No. Now, because what's the accusative of serpents? Serpentum. Serpentum. So the dative is? Serpente. Serpenti with an I. Serpente is your ablative. Serpenti is your dative. All right. Uh In about a week or two, we'll get a table to learn all these better. But wall pace. Now, your accusative is what? No. Wolpem. Wolpem is your accusative. So take off the M and add I, and, and take off the E-M and add I, Wolpi. V-U-L-P-I. All right. Dot tour. Oh, I, I stuck two of them in there in number nine. You got double in number nine. So Dottor. Dottori? Dottori. Good. Because the accusative is Dottorem. So the dative is Dottorem. How about Lowes? That's the other number nine. <laughs> you got two for the price of one. Lowes. Now, what's the accusative of Lowes? Oh. What's Lowes mean? Do you remember? Uh-uh. No. Means praise. <laughs> oh, that's right. Remember, wolf pace, wolf fraudem, lupus agnum, famina, 
for that basic <laughs> sentence. Loop all baseball frail them loop them famina. Loud them. So the accusatives loud them. Mm-hmm. Drop the E M and add an I, you get loud E. Loud E, praise. All right, Waka. Wakai. Wakai, good. All right, let's look at B. These are practicing your pronouns. To me. To me. 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 Yep, to us. Um, Nobies. Nobies. Them. Oh, don't know Nobies. Yep, that's it. To them. <laughs> to you, plural. Uh, now, if you know no bees, well, bees. Yep. To the brother. Now, again, Rotary. Yeah. All right. To him. A. Yep. To you, singular. Okay. No. A. Wait. Tibby. 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 Yeah, Tibby. 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 To yeah. the boy. Puer. No, because it's puer. Now that's a tricky one. I agree with you. It's second declension. The accusative is puerum. So the dative puero. is puero. puero. So it's puero. To the sisters. Sororibus. Sororibus. And to the woman. Feminine. Yep. Feminine. Feminine. Very good. All right. Now let's look at these Feminine, sentences. Yeah, these are these are sentences using this dative. Sorori kibum fratri pecunium do. What does that sentence mean? Sorori kibum fratri pecunium do. is this gary i can't this is letter c okay and this is then you have this in last week's notes this is really in last week's uh stuff okay sorority 21 right yeah what does do mean i give give so i give give what money money um to the brother I give money to the brother, brother to my brother. And food to, to my sister. To my sister. sister. All right. Number two. Oh. I. I find. I find. Yep. The way to town. Yep. Toby. What is Toby? It should say Tibby. I'm sorry. That's a mistake. Oh. uh, Um. For you, I find the way into town for you. Friend. friend, yeah, friend. Okay. That's the vocative. You're directly addressing him. Te walde amo said me he semper no case 
et mihi non nubis. Oh, factum male. Oh, that's a great sentence. I like that. That's romantic. Well, not too well. Te walde amo. Meaning? I love you. I love you very much. Walde. Walde means very much. Said mihi semper no case. Oh, me. But you always something. You always harm me. Harm you always hurt me. me. Yeah. At me, he no nubis. And okay. don't, don't marry me. And you're not Gary, marrying it me. Is, Gary, it's oh, fuck Molly. And do what? Wait a minute. I didn't get all that. And, don't and you're not marrying me. Oh. Oh, oh fuck to Molly. That comes right out of a poem, that fuck to Molly. Oh, badly done. Like, oh, badly done. Gary, did you hear yes. me? It's four of. Oh, yeah. Okay. Four of. Can you tell me what it's two of? <laughs> oh, that's right. Okay. Thanks. Let's do one more. Conus mihi non plaquet. Non semper. Uh, I'm going to say. Non plaquet. Quote, semper esurit. By the way, I don't feel like this about my dog, but I wrote it. The dog doesn't please that me please because me he's always because. hungry. Because he's always hungry. Because, but I don't, I don't feel like that. I love him. And he is, hungry. by the way, always hungry. He is, by the way, always hungry. But yeah. we get a kick out of him because he jumps up and down. How do you say that in Latin? Before he <laughs> eats, he jumps up in the air. It's hilarious. I'm yeah. going to skip number five, and I'll come back to it later. I'll give you the answer to it. Number six. Hi, Tibi Ilamihi Semper Fawet. Now, hiking Ila means the latter, the former, remember? So the latter favors you, the former always favors me. Oh. I'm going to stop there because we're really about out of time. Please read your story for next week. Oh, we have a little poem here too uh, at the end of this lesson called No Use, but you can also do that. And then we have this story called Bona Cana or something like that. Uh, and it has a reading and you can, and you can do something uh, interesting. You don't have to translate this story if you don't want to see if you can answer the questions on it though, like read it and see if you could understand it well enough to answer the questions uh, and then translate it. If you'd like to, we'll go over it next week. All right, Gary, um, it's two of, yeah, we're going to be ready to quit now. Does anyone have any questions on anything? Nope. I will send you the answers from lesson 20. I never did send them to you. I hope to be on time better this week. This was a busy week for me last week. Uh, I went out to dinner. I had a hot tub man come to work on my hot tub. I had Ninette's new iPad. I just didn't get anything done last week. Anyway, so maybe I'll do better. So maybe I'll do better next week. All right. Any comments, questions, Snyder marks, anything? Okay, we'll close. Sorry, Everybody have safe. a wonderful week. Yeah.